0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you may be. Uh, Thank you for joining us. I'm Rami Khoury, the co-director of Global Engagement at the American University of Beirut. And we are pleased to uh, have uh, guests from three um, significant institutions that deal with Palestinian history and culture and uh, identity and issues, Mm -hmm. issues of that nature. Um, and we, brought, we brought these three people together to discuss what they're doing in each of their institutions, but more importantly, I think, or on a wider level, to uh, share with the public what is happening in the world of knowledge, archival documentation, social mobilization, political mobilization, cultural affirmation, uh, preservation—these incredibly important fields which complement the political battle that's, uh, and in some cases, the military battle, but the political battle between Zionism and Arabism in Palestine and across the region, that's been going on for over a over hundred years. It was, a, it was about a hundred years ago, just over, that we had the Balfour Declaration, and it was almost exactly a hundred years ago that we had the UN mandate uh, that uh, the British, uh, more or less with the Zionists wrote to give the land of Palestine um, to the Zionist movement um, with the tutelage of the British colonial government. So we've been, this has been going on for a hundred years. And what is happening in this arena of culture and identity and and archival preservation um, is not totally new. It's been going on for for many years. Some of these institutions have been working since the sixties and seventies and eighties, but there's a tremendous expansion of, all kinds of institutions, local level, national level, international level, uh, most of them created and run by Palestinians that look at legal issues, that look at cultural identity. You've got Palestinian groups all over the world recreating the oral history of their villages uh, that were um, either occupied or or evacuated, uh, ethnically cleansed in 1947, 48. You've got people Uh, reaffirming the cultural nature uh, of their legacy, uh, 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 what they wear, what they eat, what they sing, the poetry they do. So this is an incredibly important reality today, which is different from what happened a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, when when the British colonial uh, rulers or the Zionist movements took a step to do something that gave them control of the land of Palestine, there was very little uh, reaction by Palestinians. There was reaction, they were against it, but they didn't have the means or the connections or the knowledge to fight this battle politically and culturally in the public sphere in the West. Today, this is what's different. Today, there are dozens and dozens of institutions, maybe hundreds of institutions, museums, uh, legal groups, cultural groups, all working. And anytime anything happens, where a movement by Zionism or the supporters of Israel move to take another piece. At any time, anything happens where a movement by Zionism or the supporters of Israel, where they try to take over a piece of land or do something, uh, there's a response and this is what's doing. And this is what we want to uh, clarify in terms of the three institutions that we have with us today. So I will take them uh, now what, each in a turn. Uh, we're gonna have Camille Mansour starting, and Camille is the chief editor of the Interactive Encyclopedia of the Palestine Question, which is a joint project between the Institute of Palestine Studies and the Palestinian Museum. Uh, we're gonna then have Adal al Haniyeh, who is director general of the Palestinian Museum and has been long active in this field uh, for decades. And then we're gonna have Dr. Rami Dre who is a professor in the agriculture school at the American University of Beirut. But in this capacity, he's the interim director of the Palestine Land Studies Center that has recently been opened at the American University of Beirut using the donation of the collection of Salman Abu Sitta, which he will tell us about probably the best available documentation of the land and people of Palestine over the last uh, several centuries, actually, go way back into the, Ottoman even into the Roman uh, period. So they'll each talk for about 10, 11 minutes, um, and then we'll open it up for discussion amongst ourselves or um, with the with the audience. If you have uh, questions, comments in the audience, you can uh, put them on Facebook where this is live or in the Q&A here on this site. So uh, thanks to Laurel el at the Institute of Palestine Studies for doing all the work to get this moving. And let me turn it over to Camille Mansoul.
1: Thanks, uh, Rami. Uh, Let me first start with a quick overview of the current state of the Palestine question because it permits us to guess better why there is today such a profusion of activities focusing, focusing on Palestine history, culture, and identity. In order to describe the state of the Palestine question today, three levels have to be taken into account the Palestinian Israeli balance of power, the official Palestinian strategy, and third, the grassroots level. Concerning the Palestinian Israeli balance of power, it is well known, it is well known, the imbalance is manifest in the military and economic arena, in the support each side gets or does not get from states in the region and the world. The imbalance expresses itself in a colonial and apartheid regime, with Israel expanding settlements, imposing the siege of Gaza, controlling Palestinian lives in the West Bank and Israel, and preventing Palestinian refugees from returning to their homes. That's you know, on the balance of power. Now, concerning the Palestinian official strategy. Faced with this imbalance, Palestinian official actors, the PLO, the PLO-affiliated organizations, and Hamas are either in complete disarray or do not have the political military instruments that could show a quick and tangible improvement in the balance of power. In addition, Palestinian-established organizations appear to draw part of their efforts away from resisting the occupier to facing each other. This leads me to the grassroots level. No wonder that the Palestinians have felt for several years now that they are marginalized and disenfranchised. I don't know the percentage of those who have consequently chosen an exit strategy. But the voice of those who refuse to stay passive is noticeable. This ranges from individual acts against soldiers and settlers to the general smooth steadfastness of people in their daily life, passing by the formation of informal groups, such as those that we heard about in Jenin and Nablus in the last few weeks. The spontaneous mobilization in May 2021 of the Palestinians all over Palestine, and whose number is today greater than that of the Jewish Israelis, and the mobilization among the Palestinians in the diaspora are also a witness to the grassroots response to the current state of the Palestine question. In response to the imbalance of power and to the leadership in capacity to deliver, it seems to me that there is today a grassroots awareness that the struggle is a long-term one, that the most important thing is to identify with Palestine and to stick to Palestinian identity by all means available. And it is within this environment that we are observing today the multiplication of initiatives and institutions that aim at preserving Palestinian identity in its various forms whether it is historical, cultural, artistic, or attachment to the, villages, to the village that was destroyed in 1948. I will not repeat what, what Rami has described in his introduction, but I will focus only on one dimension that is resulting from the affirmation of Palestinian identity and, document, and documenting it. It is the legitimacy, legitimacy dimension. The affirmation of Palestinian identity in the world, in the world stage, is so meaningful that it has triggered a counter fight from those who feel that the material balance of power in favor of Israel is not enough. We have have thus today a battle between two legitimacies. One is the legitimacy supported by powerful states that considers any criticism of Israel and any identification with the Palestinians as antisemitism. This has been even codified in the working working definition of antisemitism as defined by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. On the other side, in this fight, there is the legitimacy of the struggle for the Palestinian cause as a universal cause. Finally, in this fight, for the moral upper hand, one should not ignore the importance of the tools for information technology and social media, and the resulting impact on public opinion of the democratization in the dissemination of information. This brings me to the Institute for Palestine Studies. Next year, in 2023, IPS will celebrate the 60th anniversary of its establishment. It is the oldest independent research institute in the Arab world. Let me add a personal note here. In 2023, 50 years will also have passed since my first association with IPS. I don't want to describe now what IPS has been doing during the last 59 years, nor to present the hundreds of books and journals issues that it has produced in Arabic, English, and French on the Palestine question. You can find this information on the IPS website. I would like to focus only on the following points. Since it's, in, since its inception, IPS has passed through several stages of development, some initiated by the institute itself and some triggered as responses to challenges posed by major political events in Palestine and in the region. Established first in Beirut, it opened by necessity or by choice, offices in Paris, Washington, Jerusalem, and finally Ramallah. 20 years ago, it launched its first website. And in the last five years, it has been very active in dealing with Palestinian cultural production and in reacting to current events through its blogs in both Arabic and English. On average. 140 visitors, 400, 1,400 visitors read materials from the IPS website every day. All of this attests to its capacity of responding to the requirements of its mission. Another point since, it is, since its inception, IPS research committee has also been debating the following alternatives and trying to find each time the right balance? Should it focus focus on Palestinian rights or on on analyzing strategic affairs? Should it it focus on archiving and publishing material on the history of Palestine or on following current events? This is a healthy debate, and we will continue discussing it, be be involved in it. One of the major IPS projects is, as you know, the interactive encyclopedia of the Palestine question. This is a project conceived by by IPS 10 years ago as part of a joint project with the Palestinian Museum. And Here, I have the pleasure today of sitting with Adira, the general director of the museum. It aims, the encyclopedia, aims at presenting most facets of the Palestine question historical political military economic, culture etc in a way accessible to the broader public and in a user-friendly mat- mat- manner currently it is composed of an overall chronology more than 2,000 entries hundreds of highlights biographies historical documents and the description of every from the more than five, hand, more than four Palestinian villages destroyed and depopulated in 1948.
0: Camille, sorry to interrupt. Camille, you, do you have two minutes, please? Oh, yes, you... I fin- I
1: will be finishing, yeah. Okay. More than 100 people have participated in the project. Researchers, IT engineers, data entry, translators, etc. Here also, I would like to stress several orientations that are governing the preparation and publication of the encyclopedia. First, to present a factual and accurate description of the Palestine question that is simultaneously committed and objective. Second, to show the Palestinians as they are. The actors, purposeful actors, and not just victims, people who succeed and fail, who develop means of struggle and experience successes and setbacks, and who build their political, social, and cultural institutions outside and inside Palestine. Second, or third, as the Encyclopedia is published in both Arabic and English to speak the same language to all audiences and maintain the same tone in any language. 600 people visit, on average, every day, PanQuest the Encyclopedia's uh, website. Nearly the number should be increased. This is an ongoing project. The Encyclopedia will be continually upgraded and propagated with additional content. We ambition also to publish it in French and Spanish. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Camille. Uh, we'll turn now to uh, Adela Al Aidi who is the Director General of the Palestine Museum and does many other uh, activities in this uh, field. Faddali Adela.
2: Okay, Helene Rami.
3: Thank you, Camille, and hello, Rami, and thank you. Uh, for this opportunity. And thank you, Laura, for organizing this and thank you for this initiative. I'm very happy to be among uh, this distinguished uh, group. Um, I will introduce the museum briefly and uh, what we do and why is it important. Uh, Our issue, we are uh, located in Birzeit, but we are also located online. We We operate three different websites. One of them is PalQuest, And we will have a fourth for children and families and educators next year. However, I uh, urge and I ask our audience now to go on their uh, YouTube accounts, Instagram and Facebook and begin following the Palestinian Museum if they are not doing so already. So we are called, you will find us as PAL Museum, PAL Museum or Palestinian Museum, non-governmental organization, depending on the social media page. Hello, uh, our uh, museum opened its doors in 2016 in um, the town of Birzeit. So we're close to the uh, university. Uh, we were established by the town Foundation, the Welfare Foundation. Uh, 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 we are the flagship project of the Welfare Foundation. Now we have become independent, uh, but we still have a very important tie with the town uh, Foundation. Uh, we have an independent board and so on. Uh, so the, uh, what is the museum? The museum, first of all, is a beautiful building, very modern building, a horizontal building on the hills of Birzeit, which, uh, won the Aga Khan award for architecture in 2019 rather our architects won it. And, uh, we were the first modern architectural project in Palestine that won this award. Our mission is the production and dissemination of emancipatory learning experiences about Palestine, its culture, and its people. So, the main thing is learning experiences. These learning experiences take many shapes websites, uh, virtual reality, digital exhibitions, on site exhibitions, education programs, public programs, research and knowledge programs. There's a variety. Um, But why do we privilege the learning? Because we are a museum. uh, uh, So the the first goal is to disseminate uh, knowledge about Palestine. But of course, the way we do it is that we always say that we produce knowledge with new perspectives. And of course, I, uh, I underline what dear Camille said, that we address all audiences, Palestinian and non-Palestinian and Arabic and non-Arabic with the same content and the same tone. This is extremely important to us. Now, uh, why, so why is there a museum? Why is our work important? Uh, our work is important because of our scale and our means, we are able to leverage knowledge, and experiences and knowledge, which is here and there, and connections, which already exists in Palestine and in the diaspora, but give it oomph, give it exposure. So, uh, for example, in our public program, we don't create new activities. We uh, do open calls and we support people who are already producing this or that activity. When we produce our exhibitions, for example, our exhibitions use um, academic advisors, uh, curators, we do an enormous work of research and we uh, leverage archives. But the difference is that we put this in an, we realize this in an, we produce these experiences with an immersive Format. What does this mean? This means that if five people have read a book, an important book, or if one person have ha, has heard of certain massacre or a certain occurrence, or 10 people maybe they have heard about it, or if they have scrolled through a Facebook page about, you know, black and white pictures of the 19th and the 20th century of Palestine, we put it all together for them in our exhibitions or in our annual conferences or on our uh, facebook pages in an in a in a larger format okay that uh, that more people have access to than the phd postdoc who will open a book or who will open a learning encyclopedia so this is where it comes from so we have the also because we have a certain certain financial means we are able to go to donors and to tell them, we are doing this, why don't you partner with us on this and that project, okay? So this is this is where the importance of the museum is. Also because we're very lucky to have very young and dynamic, qualified, professional staff, we are able also to give this audience or this aura or this echo to whatever we do. So in, uh, in addition to the, so now I'll, I will just list what we do. For example, in, uh, our model is focused on the annual exhibition. Uh, which is always about a historic or cultural topic. So if people are struggling with what kind of museum we are, we are a historical museum, like the African-American Museum in Washington, DC, or the uh, Museum of American History, for example, in Washington, DC. So we're not an art museum, we're not a folklore museum, we're a historical and cultural museum, okay? Uh, Because of our scale, we are able to occupy this field of museology, In a professional manner, thanks to our international ties and one byproduct of our work, which I'm happy to to say that we're not responsible for directly is that when we. um, Deal with a certain topic, uh, let's say the coast or Palestinian costume, we realize that organizations around us have a raised consciousness of this field and it professionalizes the field. Okay, a field that maybe was not was not really professional. Um, actors in the field they realize that they need to up their their game. So besides the exhibition, we have of course three websites as I mentioned. We have the PAL Museum web, website where you can visit our ex- our past exhibitions virtually. We have PAL Journeys with IPS. We have PAL Archive where we have um, uh, social history archives uh, that people can browse and bookmark. Next year, we're going to launch the first Arab uh, museum website for children and educators, which is going to be called Senasel. This is going to be for children and educators based on Palestinian museum content. We also have an annual um, conference, which usually um, deepens the uh, themes of the... um, of the exhibition, but this year it was focused on something we're very proud of uh, um, completing, which is the we uh, developed uh, two years ago. Um, We had an open call for research grants in the field of Palestinian culture, and we gave the largest number ever of research grants in Palestinian culture to doctoral students, para doctoral, postdoctoral students. And we had a two-day conference this year. And next year, we're going to have three books that are going to come out from the conference and from the various discursive interventions we had. So again, because the Palestinian Museum exists, we are able to fund researchers in uh, various topics of Palestinian culture who would not have been able to find money elsewhere for that. Um, We are very uh, proud also to have developed, uh, this is our newest baby, um, a project with the University of Cape Town. There's going to be a book launch next year. uh, I'm I'm sorry, next week at the Sharjah Biennale, which is a joint uh, research and uh, architectural project by Palestinian and uh, South African researchers. It's called Landwalks, and that's going to be launched next uh, week, as I said, at the Sharjah Biennale. Um, So this is... uh, a crash tour of the Palestinian Museum uh, programs, and i will happy to answer more questions uh, later. Last thing I'd like to say that if anybody listens to us in Qatar or is going to Qatar in the next few weeks or months to attend the World Cup, they should go to Katara Cultural Village, Katara with a K, where we are showing the third version of our Palestinian embroidery exhibition. Thank you,
2: Rami.
0: Thank you, uh, Adila. Um, thanks for an amazing tour and for uh, uh, keeping on the time schedule. I just want to make a, a quick comment on uh, the first two presentations we've had to again amplify and clarify the significance of this uh, so when I was in when I was a freshman in college in nineteen sixty seven in the United States um, and nineteen sixty seven war the June war broke out uh, of course, I instinctively tried to play my role and I needed information. And I, I called uh, my father back then in Geneva and said, where do I get information about Palestine? Because the the pro-Israeli students are saying, there's no such thing as a Palestinian people. They never existed. There was never a state. And I, of course, was a young man. I didn't have the information uh, that I do now. And, and I had to scramble around and talk to people at the UN and other places. Today, if any, child anywhere in the world wants knowledge on palestine that is factual and relevant to life today as well as to history it's available on their phone and i'll give you an example here in new york two days ago i met a little girl who eight-year-old girl who was doing a project in her school uh, and uh, she needed information uh on um, israel and palestine for they came up suddenly they just chose countries for students to present on without any political significance, but uh, she had to find information on Israel and Palestine. And she immediately opened the uh, website of the Palestine Museum and other websites and everything was there. So what this does, what this means is that there are hundreds of thousands of young Palestinians and their supporters around the world who now have at their fingertips, the factual knowledge that was not available to their grandparents uh, uh, and great-grandparents 100 years ago. Uh, and this knowledge is now being mobilized to the point that we had three days ago, the FBI in the United States announced that it was gonna investigate the, the assassination of Sharina Barkley. Uh, and this is not because the FBI suddenly decided to do this, it's because of the pressure that was mobilized in the Congress, in the media, at community level, in churches, in synagogues, in mosques all over the United States. And this is a consequence of sharing knowledge that helps people mobilize for the cause of justice. And this is an incredibly important point that we're at today. And to bring us right up to date with the latest development, we will turn to Professor Ramiz Re at the American University of Beirut, who is the interim director of the Palestine Lands uh, Study Center, which is quite an extraordinary Institution that you will tell us about.
4: Thank you, Rami. Thank you very much, and thanks uh, to uh, to the two speakers who have uh, introduced uh, the context uh, of Palestine, and then some of the actions uh, that can be done from the the grassroots up and uh, uh, within uh, within an academic uh, setting, but uh, not uh, within an academic philosophy either If I if I captured well uh, what the Palestinian Museum is, I am absolutely fascinated with the museum, and I think it's a great place. So, uh, let me give you a bit of genealogy before I start, and I promise I won't do that for too long. So, the the the, the Palestine Land Studies Center, the PLSC at AUB is is real is, is really recent. You know, it was created in in 2019, but effectively we started working in 2022 because of COVID. However, this is uh, the, the you know, this is something that uh, comes from, the, that builds on the work uh, of uh, Professor Salman, Doctor, sorry, not Professor, Dr. Salman Sitta, and the, the Palestine Land Society, which is uh, uh, a non-profit association located in Britain. I invite you to visit uh, their website because it's also fascinating. The work of Salman Abutta and his group on uh, on uh, the the uh, uh, the design and the redesign of villages that have been uh, uh, destroyed by the Israelis is, uh, is is fascinating. He has also published the, a number of uh, of atlases of Palestine and one of the most recent, and Ramiz has asked me to show it, so I'll show it. That's uh, and I think you you probably see it the other way around. So you don't have to be Leonardo da Vinci to read this uh, fluently. But it says the return journey, and uh, this is about uh, the villages uh, and the, the locations uh, that have been destroyed uh, in uh, in in Palestine in English, Arabic, and in Hebrew. For those who who care to learn about this. This is one of a large number of publications. And Salman very kindly offered his entire collection to to, uh, AUB. Uh, in order to fund, to, to found, pardon me, the, the PLSC. And that includes 7,000 plus books, hundreds of maps from the British Mandate period up to the present, 5,000 Royal Air Force aerial photos of Palestine from 1956, uh, tens of volumes of documents concerning Palestine, some of them taken from the Occupiers' sources, several volumes of British mandate documents and laws, and district report, and about 5,000 gigabytes of worked maps and photos and tables, and also the survey of Western Palestine that was sponsored by the Palestine Exploration Fund from 1871 to 1888. You will, for those of you who know, you know this material. You will see that this is an invaluable basis and invaluable source in order to carry out researching uh you know about plant about pardon me land and people in palestine and indeed the 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 plsc's vision is uh, uh includes uh, very very clearly land and population studies this is what we do but we do it in several different ways and i will now talk more about it but the good thing about it, i mean the 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 not the, good, you know, the thing that needs to be said clearly in in a in a center that's at, at, at you know not affiliated with the PLO or or with with uh, clearly palestinian uh entities is that it upholds the inalienable right of the palestinian people particularly the right of return aligned of course with international law and with the un and among the Areas of interest are Palestine, past, present and future, and the production of teaching material, the production of research and teaching material is very important to us because we're in university and also exploring ethical, socioeconomic, environmental and uh, other issues. So w- what is our signature? So we're located in university in the Arab world uh, and uh, AUBs A- and Lebanon's historic relation with Palestine are not uh, to be made especially with the IPS and with other aspects of the Palestinian struggle AUB itself has produced many people who intend to become leaders of the Palestinian struggle but also we're surrounded with youth with students and these students can be Palestinians of course but they are also a lot of Arab students and of foreign students who, who are directly exposed to, to Palestine but who also Contribute to the work of the center, including leading on certain projects. Our the Palestinian cultural club and people who are part of the Palestinian cultural club, but also people who are not, are currently leading on some of the of the project that interface between land and uh, and other aspects of research on land in in uh, in here, and. Uh, uh, the the project of course we hope that the, the, the these projects uh, complement the work of other centers namely the IPS and the Palestinian Museum and we're also keen on on the use of uh along from the with the conventional fields the use of media and film and performing art and ecology as an area of research history along with the other demography and and socioeconomics and et cetera. And one of the parts of our signature is that we have an in-house research facility on spatial analysis, specifically large number of GIS maps and digitized maps that can allow us to do research on Palestine in the past, Palestine today, and Palestine in the future. Uh, I'm going to... uh, give some of the examples, a couple of examples very briefly, of research from below and show how these link with the more international struggle around those same areas. For example, you know, archiving archiving is memory, archiving is uh, self-actualization, archiving, archiving is preserving identity, but archiving can also be Uh, a place where you put things and then they get uh, forgotten if archives are not used if they're not kept alive if people do not have an incentive to go and 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 look at them. uh, Then they become the realm of obscure academia, and we do not want that we have a project that we call cloud archiving and in this project we gather family archives people send us their archives and these are digitized and then they're made accessible to people. That deals with the issue of, you know, what do I do with this box that's been in the attic for such a long time? Who's going to take it? Who are the people in this photograph? And then once we digitize this, we organize them geographically and using a popular gaming platform. And for obvious reasons, I'm not going to say which gaming platform, but they're actually constructed within this gaming world. And then people who want to consult their own family's archive are given a QR code, which they can use and go and look at their relatives, uh, photos and land title, title deeds, and et cetera. And with this, we link with the world of gaming. And I don't know if many of us know that, but I mean, the world of gaming is also a world where other other struggles in the world, struggles that are associated with social justice can be deployed and are being deployed. It's also a world which can be pretty rough virtually, but it's also a place where certain political issues can be raised. Another aspect of hard work is that we do not only consider archives are things that are printed or written Uh, in in one of our, you know, one of our upcoming projects which we which is called seeds as memory. We address uh, through thinking about seeds, you know the seeds of the vegetables and the plants that we eat as encapsulating part of the memory of the people who have spent time developing them and selecting them. And Israel has been blatantly uh, thieving on on these seeds and making money through uh, monetizing the genes that have been selected by Palestinian farmers and peasants over hundreds of years. Now. You know, the issue of benefit sharing, not that we would like to share anything with them, but I mean, this is uh, enshrined in international covenants on the preservation of agrobiodiversity as culture. Once this is put forth using different means, then food preparation itself becomes an act of resistance. And in terms of the right of return, that's the right of return. Of the land to its rightful owners but also of the seeds of the land to its to their to the rightful owners so that gives a completely new different dimension this dovetails by the way really really well with a lot of international action surrounding food sovereignty surrounding seeds surrounding the the international internationalization of the struggle against the corporate production of hybrid and seed, which goes, of course, beyond the issue of Palestine, but which also brings people into the discourse on Palestine. So these are two of the uh, issues that uh, I wanted to share with you and uh, to show you, uh, direct you towards how perhaps work that comes from a place where you have a number of different, uh, uh, different research interests can help us uh, preserve different types of memories of Palestine and also can help us bridge with other social justice activists in the world. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Rami. Um, I wanna just make a quick comment and then ask a question to all of you, and then we'll open it up to some of the questions we're getting uh, from the audience. Uh, Camille made a a point. He talked about the Palestine cause as becoming a universal cause. And this is really significant because what I've noticed, again, living through this for the last 54 years of activism, um, today, because of the work that you do, and hundreds of others and thousands of other Palestinians do all over the world to share the truths of their reality and their legacy and their, and their humanity. These truths have become more and more self-evident to people all around the world who explore the quest for social uh, justice. So we're at a point today, I believe, especially based on the uh, events of last May and June in Jerusalem and all over Palestine and Israel, when there was a huge uprising of Palestinians fighting for their rights and justice. We're at the point where Palestine, I believe, is one of the four global causes that galvanize public opinion, street marches, all kinds of activities all over the world today. And those are the Black Lives Matter, which is the struggle for social justice, the Me Too movement, which is the struggle for women's equality, climate change and environmental protection, which is the struggle for preserving the global land and and natural resources. And Palestine is now one of these global movements that gets people in the US and Australia and France and South Africa working together for the quest for justice. It's quite extraordinary how the Palestine issue has grown to reach this uh, the status. And the last point I'd mention on this is that what we're seeing in the last, really in the last year and a half, since the May, June events of last year and Sheikh Jarrah and other places is the, because the Sheikh Jarrah uh, protests and uh, Israeli uh, uh, colonization and expulsion of people, which was seen live on television, um, brought this to the attention of the world and the Palestinians for the first time last May and June, 2022, had the chance to speak to the world directly. We never had such a huge opportunity for Palestinians, young, middle-aged and older to speak to the world directly through social media and other means. And the theme that they presented which has now resonated widely and is seen in all of your activities is that this is not about 67. This is about 47 and 48. This is about the Nakba. This is about the de- uh, po- depopulation of Palestine and the colonization of Palestine by Western supported uh, Zionist movements. So the, the struggle has been brought back to its total historical reality, which is from Balfour to the mandate to 47, 48, and until and today, and today, there is constant talk about the anti-colonial struggle, the decolonization struggle in Palestine, which is fascinating, which is uh, important because it forces everybody, wherever they are in this situation, to address the realities that the Palestinians, through their activism, through their documentation, through their research, through their mobilization, the Palestinians have put this question on the table, that Palestine is an issue of decolonization, An anti-colonial struggle. And it started hundred years ago and it's more more dynamic than ever today, thanks to the work you and many, many other people do. So that's my comment. My question is, in this wider context, uh, do you, uh, and this takes us to one of the questions from the Q&A, which is, do you see this reality uh, affirming itself? And particularly, what do you see happening with young people? Young Palestinians and other young people around the world, are they becoming more active? Are they asking questions? Are they getting involved? We can start with Camille.
2: You're muted. Yeah, no, nah,
1: okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I, it seems to me, if you look at the people in the West Bank and in Gaza first, and in Jerusalem, it's obviously, obviously, uh, we find young people participating in the struggle. On, on one side, you have these you know, operations, uh, spontaneous operations by young against soldiers, against, settler, against settlers. It is meaningful. Whether you support or don't support you know, these acts, It is very meaningful. It expression of the youth's aspiration to justice and to to liberation. Now, concerning you know, and also in, uh, I was struck uh, two two years ago by young uh, by young girls participating in demonstrations in what is so called uh, DCO area near Ramanga. Young young girls you know, so <laughs> demonstrating with, with energy, with force against the, the Israeli soldiers. It's really meaningful. We cannot, uh, we cannot ignore it. And it seems to me also that we, we here, especially because of the Encyclopedia and Pak West, we receive uh, many, uh, you know, uh, questions and uh, requests from young people all over the world. And it also it, it's also meaningful for us. Uh, Now, what is lacking, obviously what is lacking, is something, a system, or a a mechanism to unify, to make, you know, this uh, sense of uh, identity by young people into, uh, you know, a a political force. And that is lacking. By the way, that is really lacking. We saw saw the mobilization, for instance, in Gaza, uh, you know, the Great March in 2018, 2019. And then what what happened with this? There is obviously a problem in unifying the different, the individual or the small groups struggle into a meaningful coherent political, potential political force.
2: Thank you. Uh, Adela. Unmute.
3: I agree fully with Dr. Camille and I will explain how this translates in our field. Uh, but uh, two things that I need to say quickly. I will issue we were very happy to welcome Dr. Salman Abute to give one of the first uh, lectures at the well, on, on Zoom. Uh, as part of the research and knowledge program of the um, Coast Exhibition. We have an exhibition now about the history of the uh, Palestinian coast, and we were happy to host Dr. Uh, Salman to give a very important talk. Uh, Before we we just like only talk about, you know, the outside world, I'd like to mention that our work in Palestine is also extremely important. And, uh, you know, sometimes we forget that, I mean, Sometimes uh, uh, when we are narrating and disseminating the narrative, we are focused also, uh, on the outside world. But I am very proud and very moved by the work we do at the Palestinian Museum for the local audiences, both children, and university students and adults who very simply do not know you know the touchstones of palestinian history that we think everybody knows no they don't I mean uh, the you know the the amount of of oh I didn't know that I never heard that that we hear in our current exhibition is astounding now. Uh, To this point, yes, of course, young people are more engaged, they're more on social media and so on and so forth. However, I have to say something. I work in a different field. I work in an institutional field, which is quite heavy. I used to work, I uh, I used to work, I used to run an art institution in the 90s, you know, the the fun period of the 90s when people were fun, you know, when people were discovering Palestinians in the art world and the media world and so on. And there was a great sympathy and great curiosity, and we had delegations coming and delegations going, and you know, all this ended with the second intifada. Uh, Then I went, uh, I took a hiatus, I went to academia in the US to do my PhD, and I saw how much people are interested in Palestine, and there's no problem. But now I'm back to the institutional field post 9 11, post Abraham Accords. And the situation is very different, very different. People, you know, large institutions are very we- weary of tackling a large project with Palestinian content, very weary, because they're informed. With, they're informed by everything that I just talked about. And now we are losing the Arabs, Yani to to be, you know, very blunt, whereas in the past we could count on them. So. Um, here, you know, when when I'm speaking to uh, an organization in certain museums, they tell me, "Oh yes, um, we want to have an exhibition about Palestinian content or a joint project because we have an Arab migrant population." But but we don't find Palestinians in those countries that are clamoring for uh, Palestinian content in that um, in in that museum. The reason why our exhibition happened in Qatar, one of the reasons is because we had local members of the Palestinian community who asked for museum content Palestinian museum content so this is uh, so here I am joining Camille's comment but not on the political mobilization comment but on lobbying in your country to have Palestinian museum content in your art center or in your local uh, museum so the situation is not as rosy as we think I mean you know talk is cheap social media is cheap but you know we, we want things to happen institutionally as well.
0: Um, I think uh, Adela has frozen.
2: Um, Is anybody hearing her? I am hearing her. I'm hearing her, Rami. I heard what she said. No, I finished. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Well,
4: uh, uh, okay. So I fully agree with uh, with Adila. You know, I mean, I first of all, I'm located in Beirut, Lebanon, and what, the liberation of Palestine, in all its multiple versions, is something that will come from within Palestine, with support from our uh, brethren, of course, unlimited and un- unqualified, and that's exactly why we're here. But the important people are the people who are inside Palestine, those who are experiencing oppression uh, every single day in its uh, multiple form. And uh, and I think that the work that uh, that the Palestinian Museum does I'll repeat I said at the beginning I'm saying it again uh, is 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 fabulous. And what we can do is hopefully to complement the work and not to to replace in any way uh, the work. Of, uh, that is being done uh, inside. Uh, on 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 the issue on the very question that you asked, Rami, you, you seem you know to have answered that question better than me. I live in Lebanon. I work with students and with youth and with people in Lebanon. And uh, the relationship b- between Lebanon and and the Palestinian the Palestine struggle is uh, uh, is constantly negotiated um, you know and 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 i think it's it, you know it's a good thing there is a tremendous support uh, but uh, this is not necessarily uh, uh, the form of that support uh, and the wanting to learn are not necessarily something that everyone uh, everyone agrees uh, upon and uh, and you know th- this is uh, i can't say what's happening in the rest of the world where people are mobilizing in, in in droves in order to support the Palestinian struggle. What I know is what we do, and there is a large number of people in Lebanon who believes that uh, what we do is, uh, is to give support uh, uh, to the extent, to all the possible extent, uh, to uh, the people who are fighting the real battle on the ground uh, in Palestine. That's what I have to say about this.
2: Thank you so much, Rami. It seems that uh, Rami Khudia's connection was cut off. He's trying to log back in, but uh, I'll continue some of the questions. Um, We do have a question in here about um, how do the activities that
0: your organizations do, your institutions do in the preservation of memory, how do they grapple with official narratives and official policies from governments about the same events that you're
2: documenting.
4: Sorry, that's a question to me or to everyone.
2: To everyone, whoever wants to take it on.
4: So maybe you want to start again with Camille, if you wish.
1: You want to go ahead, Camille. So it is a, a difficult question insofar as you know, as IPS Institute for Paleosciences, in concern, you know, we are independent, and uh, I believe others, as you know, the museum. We are independent uh, institutions, so we don't follow. Uh, we don't follow, uh, you know, the narrative of uh, powers that be, whether the PAO or Lebanon or the Gulf, etc. Uh, but we do have our tone. I mean, we we try to be uh, to be uh, uh, to be, let's say, quote unquote, objective. But, but committed, always committed, committed to Palestine, and we avoid entering into internal uh, re- internal uh, Arab uh, affairs. So we focus, we focus on Palestine, in focus on the Palestine narrative in relations to Israel. It is it is how we maintain our independence. It's also how we maintain our credibility. We don't change our, uh, but we, uh, but we 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 use. Really, a calm, uh, uh, calm tone in all our publications. We don't. Uh, we are not a, a political party. We don't. Uh, uh, we are not activists. Activists in the sense that we we throw uh, stones or we demonstrate. Our for our our mission is academic, but academically, but committed also. I in. Mean, that's how, how I, I see things and how, you know, uh, uh, the I, IPS has, uh, you know, maintained its credibility through the 60 years of, it, of its history.
3: Thank you, Camille. Adila, do you want to add in? I will just say the exact same thing that Camille said. We are a non governmental organization. Uh, We do have uh, governmental partners uh, in Palestine and outside Palestine. And uh, yeah, and we maintain our independence. Um, There's just one thing I'd like to say, which is kind of outside this realm. Yes, uh, we do produce learning experiences and we do uh, produce educational material and we do give academic grants and we have an annual research conference and so on and so forth. And our major programs are done with academic advisors. However, for us, it's what's important, and this is why you know I use the word in our uh, mission statement, learning experiences, because knowledge is not everything. You can, as we know very well, you can know something intellectually and you don't act on it. Uh, so in our case, uh, the immersive environment of the exhibitions, the emotional connection uh, to create what is called in French le or the aha moment in English is very important. So yes, we are, you know, we are a site of learning, but you don't learn also with your brain. You learn also with your eyes and with your emotions. And we're happy to provide this kind of experiences at the museum uh, online and on site and maybe Rami if you want to
4: close this off sure very quickly you know we're uh, um we don't we don't really have any major official narrative uh, state narrative to that opposes the support to palestine in lebanon the enemy of the state is still israel and therefore our work is fully aligned with the, what you know with the the states uh uh if if we're concerned about the issue of the state uh, in Lebanon there is absolutely no concerns AUB has uh, it's you know has clearly indicated its support by funding and uh, and and initiating this uh, Center and uh, therefore uh I this is not a matter that is of importance uh, to us. Uh, you know, we're absolutely we're we're opposed to the state of uh, Israel, and we're very proud about that.
0: Okay, I am back with you. I don't know what happened. I think it's the uh, third world infrastructure in New York City, possibly, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, so, do we have uh, other questions that any of you would like to raise? to each other. Uh, One last question I'd like to ask. um, In terms of, uh, Adela mentioned the sensitivities that arise when people around the world are asked to do something on Palestine and some of them hesitate, obviously because of the political pressures they feel they might get. Uh, But do you have active mechanisms in place to collaborate on an ongoing basis with colleagues uh, around the world that would make the Palestine issue not just an episodic and occasional one in museums or universities or cultural centers, uh, but would perhaps become something uh, routine like the study of equal rights for women or civil rights uh, for all are now uh, handled Uh, everywhere pretty openly, except some very small areas where very conservative right-wing traditional groups uh, are are still trying to resist this in parts of the United States, but the majority are uh, all in on this. And is this something do you think can happen with Palestine if the collaborations that you have started in some cases can become more uh, routine and ongoing?
3: uh who's the question for
0: is it like
3: oh well in in our case you know museum work is is heavy it takes time and it takes money so uh the only thing we can do is to take it to take one step at a time we are lucky to to have had and to and to have uh institutional partners in europe uh we will continue you know spreading the good word but The thing with museum work, and this is why I was comparing with the 90s situation, is that you can't expect to have an institution, whether it's a museum or a foundation or a library, that will give you 100% money and tell you, please produce a nice project about Palestine. It doesn't work this way. You need to co-fund. In the past, you would have... Non-governmental organizations, non-governmental foundations, governments who would support the Palestinian portion with funding, this is not happening anymore. So uh, we need to be creative in finding that co-funding because obviously we can't bring funding to the table. Ya adob, as we say in Arabic, we can cover our own costs. So, you know, we take it one step at a time. That's what I can say.
0: Okay, Camille.
3: No, I have nothing to say about, you know, because you, you addressed your
1: question to Adila, so. <laughs>
0: what about to all of you? <laughs> your experience in terms of long-term collaborations at the Institute of Palestine Studies.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, we, uh, we have on, on this on this aspect of, uh, of uh, cooperation, uh, we now uh, have, uh, you know, uh, uh, joint programs with different uh, universities. In the UK and the US, for instance, we had, you know, a, a con- an important conference uh, two weeks ago in Ramallah, and it was also, it was a hybrid hybrid uh, conference, and with the participation of, uh, uh, of for, in- for instance the Palestine Center, Palestinian Center at Columbia University. And other and other uh, institutions. So we are we are very much interested in developing this kind of uh, of cooperation with other uh, Arab and international uh, academic uh, or research and research institutions in the world. This is important for us. It also uh, enriches IPS work itself, and also I guess it uh, it also. Uh, permits the renewal of, uh, of uh, potentialities within IPS. For instance, we need young, young researchers. There is really today a problem in finding young researchers competent enough or at least potentially competent to, deal, to, to make research on Palestine. We find it difficult, we find it difficult in, whether in, in Lebanon or in the West Bank or in, in Palestine and also elsewhere. So that uh, that's, that's also uh, makes me say, say something about you know the kind of education or in the Arab universities. there is really a problem in Arab universities. I, I, I have the feeling being myself you know, an academic I have the feeling that uh, directors of uh, PhD programs of masters programs, don't focus enough on specific points, specific issues in Palestine history. You know, you find it in, in the West, in, uh, in, for instance, in European and American universities. Uh, somebody who works on radio between 1936, the Palestine radio between 1936 and 1948, you don't find such, ki- such uh, specific works in, by, Arab uni- by Arab students in Arab universities. On, on specific issues, and that's really, uh, really, uh, you know, um, uh, not help, not helpful for, for the whole research on Palestine.
3: Yes, but there's a problem with funding. Also, there's no funding in Arab universities for this. Right. Whereas right. you find uh, you know, European centers give give money. So it is a question yeah.
0: of funding. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ram Israel, for the last comment. Well,
4: okay, then, uh, you know, uh, this is very much something that the center has been built to do, so it's actually designed to do that, to facilitate the production of research from uh, our university, but also from other universities, so people we work we have uh, we have uh, associate and affiliated researchers from a number of universities who are working people who are working I'm just going to say because I remember Mark Zaytun from it's uh, Anglia University who works on water and who's also an affiliated uh, affiliate of the center just a person who's done but there are also a number of other people and uh, and I think the production, Of knowledge um, is will be will be pretty. You know it, it will increase, uh, like it will snowball uh, from AUB and the regions uh, behind. You know, I know the work that's been done in Birzeit, by the way, and I know a couple of people who, who are working in Birzeit. I'm just going to mention one name Omar Tesdel, who is a geographer and a friend, uh, and with whom I've been working for a long time. He's worked on seeds, etc. And so, he, we're inviting him to come here and, and be an associate researcher for a while. So, these things, and then you you know, some people are going to do their masters. You know, we have a couple of students who, who did their their masters on on the historic use of uh, of agriculture as a tool of war in the settler colonization of Palestine. So, you know, a very looking deeply into this. I think that you know there is a stage in which we need to take stock of everything that's been done before we can actually declare that not enough has been done. I think there is yeah, a, yeah. a whole stock-taking exercise that hasn't been happening and, and, and you know, we, I think we're going to engage in it uh, at AUB, uh, at the PLSC, and hopefully you know in collaboration with, 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 with IPS, with uh, you know the Palestinian Museum, with whoever uh, is on the right side of history. You know what I think is the right side of history and and who wants to participate, but I think this stock taking because Rami K keeps bringing me names of people i've never heard of, and who are doing exactly what i'm doing and the way i'm thinking, and these are people i've never really heard of ever, so I think there is an issue before we declare that. You know uh, there isn't enough being done i think we really need to take stock of what is being done to enter into a relationship invite these people to be co-joint affiliate etc strength because this will strengthen them in their academic environment you know i mean i come from from deep academia as in the deep state and and i know how hard it can be to go against the grain and and i know how much uh, how much uh, young researchers on Palestine will and might and, and are likely to require support from people who have been in this field for a long time uh, and, and deserve support, you know, because of the strength of their work, not not just pushing them because of a of a headline.
0: Thank you, Rami. Just to uh, to amplify that point. Uh, um my work with the American University of Beirut is to set up global collaborations and partnerships on academic research and public outreach to share the knowledge that we have at AUB with people around the world who have equally valuable knowledge, but together we have a bigger impact. Um, And I can tell you that from just in the last four or five months, um, since I started mentioning to people about the Palestine uh, Lands Study Center at AUB, Uh, I've had people instinctively come back and say, oh, we'd love to work with you because the the center, like the institute, like the museum, provides a anchorage, a a physical and human anchorage with credibility and real knowledge and dynamism that gives you something to work with. These things didn't exist very uh, much in the Arab world uh, before. Uh, But now, when I approach people and I find somebody who does a study on um, the colonial past in Palestine and the land, and and I talk to them and they give me the names of three or four other people, I pass these on to uh, Ramizreyev so that we have a database of people all over the world who are doing really serious work, doctoral candidates in top universities um, all over the world. So this is another sign of the uh, kind of global struggle for justice Uh, that is happening. Um, And it's very moving uh, when you encounter these people and they're not all Palestinian. I would say half of them are Palestinian. The other half come from different nationalities uh, all over the world. So with that uh, positive note, I would like to thank you, uh, uh, Camille. uh, uh, Camille. I I would
1: would like to say something. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So yeah, Uh, in in a way, as a way of uh, concluding, you know, conclusion. Uh, I, I alluded to this in my presentation. Uh, you know, the, we today uh, fear as much failure of negotiations as success, no. No. Uh, because success means concessions and uh, and your concessions. So we okay. That means that the struggle or Palestine question will continue to to be with us. Uh, for uh, you know another another generation at least if not more we don't know, mm. uh, which means that uh, uh, the the front now because of this is the front is not only a military front, mm. it's an ideological front, mm. it's an identity front, it's a uh, it's a legitimacy front. So you know uh, in in a way, if I could say you know, against uh, the, uh, the legitimacy of power, you know, of powers, the US, uh, Israel, et cetera, we must, we need to focus on the power of legitimacy.
0: Absolutely, and this is why the Israeli government absolutely refuses to cooperate with the FBI to investigate the killing of Shirin Bakli. because once the question of law is br- and justice anchored in international law is brought into the question, uh, Zionism has a problem because of its history with taking over the land of Palestine and expelling its people. Uh, and in the final analysis, we are struggling for justice for all. We're not saying Palestinians should have rights, but Israelis or other Arabs or Americans, or we're saying there has to be equal rights. We want the rule of law, equal justice, social justice, political legitimacy, national integrity and a decent life for every human being in the Middle East and around the world. And if if the Palestine issue can raise this question of the legitimate struggle for uh, legal uh, and political justice and equal rights for all people, uh, we would have done a great service uh, for, for, for humankind. So I think this is a, it's a big challenge and uh, we're each playing a small part in this and we will continue to do it. And uh, on this note, I would like to thank you all uh, to, uh, for participating. Thanks to uh, Laura Albast at the Institute for Palestine Studies in uh, Washington for her behind the scenes work in uh, organizing it. We will capture all this knowledge and disseminate it widely uh, with uh, all of the uh, links to the various websites so that uh, you can all share this information. So, thank you, uh, Camille, uh, Rami, Adela, and Laura. And thanks for the audience for joining us. Bye for now. Peace
2: be with you.